Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit promised in Joel 2.28, and we equip for the outpouring so that we may engage in the outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to our podcast today. We have a very special guest today, Simantov Alaluf from Israel. And we are going to be hearing some very amazing things that have been his experiences in life where he's been meeting with the Holy Spirit and having his own personal outpourings. So we want to welcome our guest, Simantov. Let me just welcome you to the podcast. Shalom. Shalom. You are one of these wonderful, special people. Everybody in the planet is special, but you're one of these special ones that God has picked out as his special chosen people. And you told us a story before we got started. Tell us about how your parents met. This is quite a story. Well, my father was born into a, an Orthodox Jewish family in Thessaloniki, Greece. My, my name's Simantov is my grandfather's name, who used to be the, the kosher butcher for Thessaloniki in the 1800s. In the middle 40s, the Nazis invaded Greece and ultimately got to Thessaloniki, where my father was. And out of that community, there was an estimated 80,000 Jewish people living in that city at the wow. time. But you know, they ignored a prophetic word that came years earlier from a man named Jabotinsky came there. Mm -hmm. He tra actually traveled all over Europe warning Jewish communities, really? saying wow. that the Lord is saying, go home to Palestine wow. now. Wow. Something very dangerous is coming. But Thessaloniki was one of the cities that literally, symbolically, threw him out and rejected his message. Oh, no. And so... When the Nazis actually did come, and that word was fulfilled, they were the most devastated Jewish community in all of Europe. 97% mm. of, the, of the population were exterminated in Auschwitz. Wow. So my father, who was married before the Nazis came in, had two children. Him and his, his wife and, and their family all got on a boxcar, went to Auschwitz. And, mm. and it began quite tragically because within two hours of their arrival, the two children and his wife were dead. Mm. And my mother, about a year later, from Romania, the, the Nazis actually came into that region twice. The first time, they took many of the Jewish people out into the forest and up into the mountains and and either shot them. In my mother's case, the first time they, they took her, they took her up into this mountain in January. It was freezing cold uh -huh. and had them cross over this river saying that anybody makes it to the other side of the river, you're free to go. So my mother was one of the very few out of thousands that survived going into that ice-cold water and her hands were, were cramped and 
bent and distorted her whole life as a result from frostbite. The mm. same with her feet. But then eventually the Nazis came back again, realizing that many of the Jewish people were still there and rounded them all up and put them on boxcars and sent. That's how she got to Auschwitz. So, you know, my father's job was to take the corpses out of the barracks every morning and mm. piled them up by the garbage. Oh, my. So as a result, it gave him access to the, the discarded food that the, the soldiers were eating there, and he would take that and barter for cigarettes and cigars. And my mother's job was cleaning the officers' quarters of the, the SS. Mm. So she risked her life stealing these cigarettes and cigars and was exchanging them for the mm. potato skins wow. and whatever that my father got out of the, or who became my father, out of the garbage. Oh, my. Wow. So they met in Auschwitz. Yes. At the end, they were liberated by the Russians in January of 1945. And, you know, my parents didn't get married there, but many of the people that survived, there was about maybe 8,000 people still alive when the Russians came in. Many of them took rags and... and bed sheets and made a hoopah wow. and just grabbed a hold of somebody they'd never seen before in their life and got married. Really? Wow. Primarily for survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, my mother, before she came there, was both my parents came from ultra-Orthodox families. And my mother, you know, had some very unique experiences as a child, even died at the age of nine and went to heaven. Wow. And she said she was so angry when they were praying and praying up a storm and she came back into her body. She was so angry that they brought her back. <laughs> and so, but she had an encounter with God in heaven there. And, you know, even when in the last days in Auschwitz, they were taking the people to the crematorium alive and they would line up and they'd throw them into the crematorium alive. Mm. Oh, my, my mother had such confidence that God would rescue her, and he did three times. Wow. And other people thought she was kind of crazy. Mm. But she said, no, I know God will rescue me. And she's trying to help them to believe, but many of them were just so filled with fear. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, growing up as a child... My mother would talk about God continuously and just and always remind me how he he rescued her from you know most of the young women that went to Auschwitz were raped within a matter of days. My mm. mother was never touched. Glory to God. And she knows it was God's hand of protection so Wow. That's kind of the atmosphere I grew up my Parents were really messed up from the camp, so sure. we grew up in a very dysfunctional family. But my mother wow. very much trusting God, my father saying, if there's a God and he allowed that to happen, I don't want to know him. Mm. Oh, my. Yeah. But both of them, my mother came to faith first, and then, my, well, actually my sister, then my mother, then me, and then four months before my father passed away, he came to faith. Wow, praise God. So, yeah. So you, when you say came to faith, you're talking about came to faith in Yeshua. In Yeshua, yes, Jesus. Well, actually, we never even used the word Yeshua back then. It was Jesus. Sure. So, oh, 
Oh, okay. But now Yeshua's living in Israel's. Yes, <laughs> of course. But you weren't raised in Israel. Where were you raised? In Toronto. I, I was a little more than two years old. My parents left Israel and immigrated to Canada. So you were born in Israel? Yes. Okay. In Haifa. Hmm. My mother, when I was born, the British in 1947 or 48 built Rambam Hospital, which mm. is still in use today in Haifa. It's right on the sea. Mm. She thought she got to go to a luxury hotel because in the <laughs> maternity ward, you look out the window and the water was right there. So it was <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. So how did you come to faith? It's a long story, but... Most of my life, my mother was very bitter about the German people, mm-hmm. very angry, used to refer to the German people in, in very derogatory ways. Understandably. And, and, you know, I grew up hearing these stories, especially from my mother. From My father was not in the picture all the time. And, you know, all of that for almost 40 years, but... When I was almost 40 years old, I had gone to visit her in Toronto. And when I was approaching her building, the seniors' building, there was a man sitting at the bench with her. And he was getting up and saying goodbye. I'll see you later. And my mother said yes. And so when I got to her, I said, who's that guy? He was already walking quite he was a couple of hundred feet away. She said, it's my friend. And... Why was I so curious as he said goodbye in a very distinct German accent? So I said, your friend, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? And she said, yes, he's my friend. And to to even push it a little further, she says, I love him. And she wasn't referring to a romantic love, but just, I said, you've lost your mind. I started getting quite angry. (laughs) <laughs> I said, my whole life, you're telling me about how they destroyed our family and, and made life so terrible, and now you love them? And she started weeping. I said, what's going on? And she had just come to faith in Yeshua probably wow. about, I don't know, three or four months before. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And she started in her... Weeping, she's saying, how can I not forgive after all God has forgiven me? Oh. I said, you're nuts. (laughs) I actually used some very terrible language, and she would not back down. I said, you know what? I can't stay here. I'm not going to listen to this. And I walked away. I actually almost ran away, furious. Because my whole life, she told me how much these people were to, were to be despised. And now she's telling me she loves them and that she's forgiven them. And that kind of put a little crack in my stony heart. Mm-hmm. Because I knew something radical has happened to my mother. This is not just the result of some kind of a watching a movie or something. Mm-hmm. Something has changed. But I still was very angry. And that was probably the beginning of my eyes to begin to open and come to faith. 
and it was a year later. We were actually, my mother had sciatic issues in her legs for years. And there was one thing that really helped her. When I was about 16, we drove to Glenwood Springs, Colorado, to these hot springs, and mm. it really helped her. So she was in severe pain back in 1988. I still wasn't a believer. No, it was 89. I wasn't a believer. And I, we were sitting in a cottage north of Toronto, and I said, let me see if I can arrange for a, a trip to Glenwood Springs. I was out of work at the time. And it just all fit together. We found an extremely good price, and we drove to Buffalo and then flew to Chicago and then on to Denver, Colorado. And, you know, when we, I originally booked it for 12 days, and we were at the Buffalo airport. I was thinking 12 days might not be enough. So I whispered to the woman. I said, is there any chance of extending that? And she got quite upset. She said, you got one of the best deals in, on earth. She said, you can't make change. I said, okay, okay, well, I'll just leave it. And about 10 seconds later, she whispers and said, listen, I'll give you one more day. Is that good? I said, okay. <laughs> so we flew flew to Denver. At the end of 12 days, my mother said, that's enough. I can't take another one of those mineral baths. She said, I've had enough. And she said, let's go home. I said, I, if we hadn't have changed anything, we could have flew home today. So we drove into Denver hoping that maybe I could switch the flight. And we got there, and there was a brand new hotel next to the Stapleton Airport. And this is leading to something. And when we got there, my wife said, why don't we just stay in this hotel tonight instead of going through all of that and trying to get the tickets? So we did. And we got this beautiful room on the top floor, and it looked directly at the runway. Mm -hmm. So after we checked in, we're standing on the like a balcony, and we watched our flight, Flight 232, from Denver to Chicago pull up, and, and it took off. And we went off to, and my mother's sitting there reading the Bible. I said, throw that thing in the garbage, <laughs> oh, my. or I will. And she said, no, no, be careful. Don't say things like that. And we went out to Kmart just to look around, and I didn't know what to do in Denver. And when we walked into Kmart, they had a whole wall covered with televisions. And when we walked in, I saw this what looked like a dramatic scene in, in an action movie, and we walked up in this big ball of fire, and and we're standing there, and I'm looking at the price tags, and this, I realized it's not a movie. It's a news, a news report, and they're reporting that Flight 232, United Airlines, which I flew from Israel to here mm -hmm. last week, just crashed in Sioux City, Iowa. <gasps> and my mother's saying, Say... That's God that saved your life. Wow. wow. I said, oh I almost wanted to argue, but something was the reality. Everybody in row nine where we were supposed to sit were all killed instantly. Wow. You know, and a number of people survived the crash. Some people were jumping out of the airplane at 200 miles an hour as they're coming in for a landing. Oh. They had lost one of the engine, lost all of their... Hydraulic and made a movie out of it. Oh my! But that was another dramatic event. 
that prepared me for salvation. So it's that's kind of the way it went. Wow. So it's quite the story. When I'll tell you, after a few of those things, there was no mm -hmm. question in my mind, this God really loves me, regardless of how rotten I really am. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, yeah, it's just the fault within, I don't know, how many months later I came to faith. My wife was, we were living in Florida, and I was in Toronto. And, you know, I went to see a friend that was involved in some serious fraud with me. Hmm. And so I went to his house to get the money that he had collected for me. And and he had a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit the night before. Oh, my. my. <laughs> You're praying mama. And his wife was in the kitchen furious. I had helped him. I used to be a union executive for the Canada Post Office, and I had prepared a briefing for him to try and save his job because they had fired him and they were going to issue criminal charges. And we just wanted to keep him out of jail. They didn't didn't expect anything more than that. But he was in the shower. She said, look at what's on the table. So I read it. They had offered him thousands, like almost $45,000, his job back, his seniority and everything, if he would withdraw that petition for arbitration that I had submitted. Mm. And when he came out, he said, I can't take it. It's dirty money. I'm looking at it. I said, what the heck are you talking about? He said, I can't take it. So his wife was going wild. She said, if he doesn't take it, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and she was not joking. She was oh. dead. And so we went into the basement, and he told me, he said, listen, somebody came into my bedroom at about 4 o'clock in the morning and slapped me in the chest and pulled me into an upright position. I'm looking at it, and he can, periodically he'd stop saying, I think I'm losing my mind. I'm <laughs> sitting there thinking, I think you're losing your mind. <laughs> He said, when I opened my eyes, there was nobody in the room. Mm. And he ultimately came down the stairs into the basement after searching the upstairs of the house, thinking the only places whoever had broken into the house could be is down there. And when he got to the final step, he's telling me how he froze in such fear for what he felt like was hours, but it was only a matter of seconds. And he said, all of a sudden, somebody started to pour like a bucket of warm honey all over him. Mm -hmm. And he said he felt love like he'd never experienced in all his life. Mm -hmm. wow. And he said, whoever you are, back off, you're going to kill me. And I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking, how can love kill somebody? <laughs> And it was in that situation that both we had never seen a Bible, we'd never heard the gospel. Wow. And the two of us came to faith there. Look at wow. that. Yes. You'd never seen a Bible, you'd never heard the gospel. No. Seems to me God pours out his spirit on people. Yes. Uh, even even without our help as evangelists, you know? Yes. That's I, and but I'm sure that it's a result of prayer. Somebody was praying. <laughs> my sister and my mother. My sister was already in the faith at least 10 years and mm -hmm. was praying. So, yeah, just I remember going back home, back to Florida a week later. 
And when I walked in the house, my wife looked at me and said, What the heck have you been doing? I said, what do you mean? She says, you're not the same. Wow. Oh, wow. I said, I don't know for sure. But I said, something happened. It's got something to do with God. We didn't know what had happened. Wow. <laughs> and she said, get out of the house. You're not going to bring that in. The... It was crazy. Oh, I, my. It's not the reaction I was expecting. Now, was she Jewish too? No. Okay. She actually left, and but came back before it got dark. And for four years, it was a pretty rough ride. But wow. She got saved four years later. Oh, my. In the Toronto Revival. Oh, oh I love it. My. Oh, my. I love it. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Wow. Wow. And then and then the Lord moved on you at what point to make Aliyah, to, to uh, become a citizen of Israel? It's a bit of a journey, but just the thought, you know, in 1990, after I got saved, we came, we went to Israel for a visit. The kids and my brother-in-law, we all went. We went to Greece first mm -hmm. and visited my father, and from there we went to, to Israel. And my brother-in-law, who was with us, two times he had, he had an open vision of, of Yeshua walking. So we were in Nazareth in this, I remember we were in this hotel or motel, and we had just killed this great big bug that mm -hmm. was crawling up the, the <laughs> drapes. And there was a whole bunch of commotion. The kids were up on the beds screaming. <laughs> so we killed this thing, and thing calmed down. And I went into the next, it was like a suite with two two rooms, and I was in with my wife, and all of a sudden my I could hear my brother-in-law weeping. I came out and I said, what's going on? He said, look. He pointed out the window. He says, there's Jesus. Wow. I looked. I didn't see he didn't nothing. see him, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he was seeing him. Wow. And then three, four days later, we went uh, to the Galilee, and we were at Capernaum. And he, again, I find him weeping. I said, what's going on? Uh -huh. He said, and he pointed into that ancient synagogue there. Mm, uh -huh. He said, he's there. Oh, wow. So he had he had a couple of radical encounters. And my kids and I got baptized there in the Jordan River. Wow. wow. My wife was furious. Cause <laughs> that was a journey. And, and something started stirring. I said to my wife, I said, I think it's. The Lord might be saying it's time to move back to Israel. She said, "When hell freezes over, I'm not going to. I'm not going to live here." And you know, in 1997, that church in Toronto that I was a part of, the pastor called for a 40-day fast. I'd never done one in my life. Never thought I could. And we started this fast, and about halfway through the 40 days. I felt God asked me, would you like to go to Israel? I said, yeah, I'd like to. I, we were broke. <laughs> I was about to get laid off. Wow. And I wanted to see, how are you going to pull this one off? <laughs> and I said, yes, like a little kid. If somebody, I was back in this trailer down into an icy pit. It was very cold out. And I out loud and I said, yes, I'll go to Israel. And the next day, I called a travel agent. She said, when do you want to go? I said, whatever's the cheapest. That's mm -hmm. when I'll go. 
And she called back a couple of days later. She said, listen, if you go on this day or this day, the day before or day after, it's going to cost significantly more. But if you go on this day, which just happened to be the 40th day of the fast. Wow. Oh, wow. So I broke the fast in Jerusalem. Wow. Oh, my. So when I started it, who even imagined? So we went. The last 10 days, we were sleeping in a garage. It was cold, man. Mm. We were sleeping in the garage every morning. The next garage, the guy started his car and filled it, and we are choking on the exhaust fume. Oh, no. But there was a presence of God that was so tangible. I'd wake up every morning shivering, but just in the glory, hmm. in his presence. And I'd say, Lord, I'll live in this garage for the rest of my life mm-hmm. if you'll stay here with us. Wow. And Beautiful. I remember we got out of bed that morning really quick and put on our clothes. I was sleeping with my clothes on and we came outside. It was right next door to the YMCA. And my wife turned to me and said, I don't know what's going on, but she says, we're home. Wow. And mm. Now, that, was she a believer by then? Yes. Okay. Yeah. She was a believer by then, a couple of years at that point. Wow. And the grace of God just flowed over her. Yes. Filled her up. <laughs> So, yeah, that's the following year we moved back to Israel. Wow. It wasn't such a, it was a hard time, the hardest year, the next few years, the hardest time of our life. But, you know, sometimes people think that when God leads you into something that it's always like paradise. Uh-oh. Why? Oh, Why? No, it's, it's like Paul, you know, come over, you saw in the vision, come over to Macedonia and help us. And, yes. Yeah. And he ends up in jail. <laughs> so she spent two years crying. Oh, wow. But now it's it's home. Wow. It's Amazing. home. Glory to God. So now the Lord has spoken to you to come here now. What's what's going on in the Holy Spirit? What What's the Holy Spirit saying? You know, in 2010, I'll try and make it really short. Yeah, t- take, take whatever time you need. I just I heard about this call for prayer from a guy named Dutch Sheets and <laughs> felt that America was was on a slide downward spiritually and and it was time for the body of Christ to to gather and to pray corporately and call out and plead with God that he would move and and turn things around. And when I read it, I sent it to some friends in Mississippi because I really felt it was it was from God. And the next day, they wrote back, said, we prayed and we're convinced God saying go. But while we were praying, we felt God saying, you should come as well. And we were broke, which is, in Israel, that's quite common. For... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, and I went to... I don't know, a few days saying, God, how are we going to do it? Is it you? And then he confirmed in a very profound way using Facebook, but I won't get into all that, but I was convinced, convinced he was saying go. And we booked a flight to go, and when we got to the U.S., we flew to Memphis, and then he met us, and then a couple days later, we drove up to Poplar Bluff, Missouri. That's where the... But I, I missed one thing before we left. They actually canceled the event. And I struggled with God. I said, God, where are we going? 
the, there is no prayer meeting. They canceled it because he didn't have enough money or something. <laughs> and I really felt God was saying, who asked you to go there, man or me? He said, go. So we did. And and the other people that we went with, Ron, that's actually who we're staying with up until this morning in, in Missouri, because he now lives in Missouri. We drove up in a motorhome, and his wife and my wife were in the car behind. And so we were just busy talking. I didn't realize where we were geographically, but when I crossed, when when he crossed over the Mississippi into Missouri, the Spirit of God came all over me, and I began to prophesy to Missouri that there was a move of God unequaled in history mm. that mankind has never seen before. And, and I just went on and on for about five, ten minutes. And then finally I calmed and we're looking at each other with our eyes wide open, wondering what just happened. Mm-hmm. And we went to this prayer meeting, and which was out in the ranch, 105, 107 degrees from, wow. from like 8 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock at night. I didn't think I'd survive. Mm, that's hot. <laughs> yeah. And a guy, man named Dick Rubin mm-hmm. is the one that took up the, the leadership part of it, and he was teaching. I'd never met him before. So how th- other people showed up too? Yes, like 1,300 people showed up <laughs> to a canceled event. I love it. <laughs> so from 37 states, and I think it was six or seven nations were represented there. And so it was a, a very un- unique time of prayer and at the end of it all, we were looking at, I became part of their leadership team there because I even spoke there, which was totally unplanned and especially by me. Mm-hmm. But God was up to something and they invited us to come back and we did a, another little five-day thing at their conference center there. But when I came back into Missouri again from a different direction, I was driving. No, my wife was driving. We crossed the Mississippi River. I'm not consciously thinking about where we are and what's cooking, but as soon as we crossed back into Missouri, again, the Holy Spirit came in great power, and I just began to speak to the state of Missouri and the heartland of the United States. And I felt God was saying, America, I've not forgotten you. Amen. I'm going to visit you and move once again like you've never seen before. I can't remember the words. Mm. and Wow. I was in tears and in so many different ways over the next three or four years. God has spoken to me directly and to some of the other people. Lila Trahoon was in Dick Rubin and Actually, Dick ended up coming and living on that ranch, did meetings there regularly for several months, maybe even a couple of years. So there's this expectation that's been growing. And I've been, last year, I was just asking the Lord, when are you going to move in in Missouri? Will I get a chance to see or, or anything? Quite often when I ask why questions, God doesn't answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But in July last year, I, we were driving from the Galilee down to Jerusalem, and God's Spirit just came into the car in a very tangible way. And I, I felt he was saying, go, 
he showed me this man that we went to Missouri with the first time and who now has moved out of Mississippi and lives in Missouri, not far from where the, the prayer meeting was. I said, God, what are we doing there? And I, re I just completely understood that it has to do with what's about to come. Mm -hmm. When? How? I don't know. So, <laughs> but it was a very powerful encounter with the Spirit, the Spirit of God. When we got home, I bought a ticket to go to Canada. And we went there, and we were there for six weeks. And God's fingerprints were all over it. But then I allowed my my own questioning, and and I was just starting to think, it doesn't make sense. What am I going to do there? He's living in a trailer there. And God, what are we going to do in a trailer in the middle of nowhere? And all this human reasoning, and we didn't go. Mm -hmm. I disobeyed, and we went mm -hmm. back to Israel. And that's why the Holy Spirit began to challenge me about a month ago that obedience has nothing to do with our understanding, our approval, our our will it fit into my plans. Mm -hmm. And I, I spent some days just apologizing and, and repenting. And I really felt, and God confirmed it through a friend in Greece. And here we are. And people, before we even got here, said, yeah, we're ready. Let's go. God, pour out your spirit. Let yes. the fire fall. And I mm. said, I don't know. I said, this isn't going to be the work of a man. Mm -hmm. no. And this isn't going to be orchestrated or arranged by a man. Mm -hmm. God's got a plan. He does. Yes, I could does. spend the next yeah. 20 minutes, if not more, just telling you about ways that God has confirmed. You know, we have some good friends in, in in Israel that were there for almost 35 years. They had a radio station. They pastored both Arabic and Hebrew-speaking congregations and then opened up another radio station. But about well, less than a year ago, January of this year, they felt led to move to Missouri. Mm. And they're, move, they're living in the Ozarks. I forget the name of the little town they're close to. Wow. And just before we left to come last week, their daughter, who runs a Christian bookstore in, in the East Jerusalem, an outreach to the Arab, the Muslim people there, she called me. I've seen her before, but never talked to her. And she said, we would like you to come over and pray with us and talk, because we want to know why you're going to Missouri. And when we got there, we talked for a bit, and she said, listen, we have got a strong draw to go to Missouri. Mm. And we know several different couples that God has spoken to them get going to Missouri. Wow. Wow. And into the Ozarks in, in mm -hmm. particular. It's so just over and over. So there are people that are being drawn into the region. God's getting ready. I don't know when God's ready. Who knows the time and the right. hour? But it's definitely we're getting close. Yes. You know, some people are saying America's done and God's written it off. I don't believe that. No, we don't no, either. We don't. And it's it definitely it's not because we're really good guys and. And he's going to reward that. But no, it's just the love of God that's in his son. Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. not finished yes. here. I think there's going to be some real stormy times for America in the days ahead. But in the midst of it, 
somehow, and I think would be foolish to to try and describe what it's going to look like or when it's going to begin, but it's close. Very close. Mm -hmm. It is. And, yeah, I just, I love the presence of God. Yes. It changes everything. Mm -hmm. Many a time when we were in, in all kinds of situations, both emotionally and financially and you name it, and then God shows up and everything changes. And so that's why I just want to be where he's at. Yes, amen. Exactly. So we're here, and and then <laughs> I realized that Mary Lois and Jean were here because of the situation in Israel and not being able to come in. So I wrote to them. And he said, yeah. he said, if you come in the area, come on over. We've got a bed for you to lay down. So here we are. <laughs> we're glad you're here. Yeah. Amen. And just that's why, you know, just a day, two days before I left, I met this man, and he he asked me why we're going. I said, I'm not sure. I told him a little bit of what I just said to you. And he talked about Corey Ten Boom's prophecy, which I had never heard, mm-hmm. about seeing all these angels yeah. from horizon to horizon over the Ozarks mm-hmm. and how this is going to be a, place, a region of, of refuge. And other people have added... I don't know if it was actually from her or if, or if Dave just felt led to, but they actually believe it not only will be a place of refuge, but it'll be a place of restoration in the spirit. Yes, amen. amen. That's why we're here. Beautiful, beautiful. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. We can hear in your stories how how there's been a contending for the faith, contending to to get people saved, get you saved, get you into the family of God, which was God's plan to begin with, and how he's been equipping you as you followed him. You didn't know anything. You started out with just, you were a blank sheet. Yes. And God has been pouring into you and pouring into you and pouring into you, pouring into you so that he can pour through you in the days to come. I mean, I'm sure he's already been pouring through you. He's put you in a glorious place. I know it's not an easy place to live in Israel, but it's yeah. it's a tremendous place that that is on his map. It's right in the back of the Bible. Yes. <laughs> if there's yes. maps of Israel, that's it, where it it's where everything yeah. has happened. You know, it's the center of the earth. It's <laughs> the center of of God's yes heart. You know, his his heart and and the pupil of his eye. You know, Amen. It, it this is this. Don't stick your finger in God's eye, for goodness sakes. But but it's exciting to hear how how God has been working in your life and how He's taking you into this next thing, where He's going to be pouring out His Spirit. Whether whether you're going into that region for the purpose purpose of contending or equipping or actually engaging in the outpouring at this time, um, God's going to show us as, as time yes. goes on, yes. but it's exciting that you're engaged, that you're, that you're obeying. You've heard the Lord and you're obeying. One of the reasons, one of the understandings, at least in a very partial, simple way that I have, why, why is it necessary for someone from Israel to come and participate in what God is doing and what he's going to do. And, you know, Dick Rubin, he, one of the things he was known for is he draws out of Scripture God's patterns. Mm-hmm. And, and he was saying, if you'll do things according to the pattern of God, the glory will fall. Yes. 
Many churches, many pastors didn't comprehend or understand what he was getting at. But, you know, he spoke to Moses. Mm -hmm. He said, Moses, get the people together. I want you to build a tabernacle in the wilderness and build it exactly according to the pattern that I give you. Don't deviate. And I'll anoint each one of the people that's involved that are going to produce the curtains and the and the implements that will be in the tabernacle. But he said, if you'll build it according to the pattern which I've given you, I will come and dwell in your midst. And Moses did. And for many years, it was a meeting place for the house of Israel and mm -hmm. the God of Israel out in the wilderness. And many years later, after Israel came into the land, David said, to the Lord said, I want to build you a, a temple. I want to build a place for you to come and dwell here in Jerusalem. And I'm abbreviating, but in essence, God was saying, okay, but not you. You've got too much blood on your hands, but your son, Solomon. Mm -hmm. And he gave David a pattern by which to build that temple. Mm -hmm. And when he went to Solomon before his death, he said, here is the plan and the pattern by which God said this temple is to be constructed. Do it exactly in accordance to this. And he did. And the yeah. presence of God came, filled the temple, says to the point where none of the priests could stand. They all mm -hmm. fell on their face. One more time in Ephesians, in the New Testament, God talks about a dwelling place. And there's a pattern to it. And that is, it's from verse 11, Ephesians 2, 11 to 22. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, to Gentiles. But he's describing to them what we now today refer to as the one new man. Hmm. And he said, you who were in times past, depending on the translation, or before, or historically, Gentiles. So there was a, there's a change. There's a transformation that takes place when you come to Christ, when you come to Yeshua. You actually lose your identity as a, a Gentile because it says in verse 19, oh, before that, he says that you were foreigners outside of the promises and covenants of God without hope and without God in the world. But he says now because of the blood of Yeshua, you are no longer foreigners, but you are fellow citizens of the commonwealth of Israel mm -hmm. and partakers of, of those promises and covenants. And he says, I'm building you together. I'm paraphrasing both Jew and Gentile, assembling you together as living stones to create a, a dwelling place where I may come and dwell. Mm -hmm. The church for too long has been satisfied with visitations. Mm -hmm. God says, I want to come and live with you. Yes, yes. habitation. Yes. Habitation. And so, yes. so if you want to break it down into like into a, a physical picture kind of thing, picture when you're mixing concrete to build the, to lay the foundation <laughs> of a house. Mm -hmm. If you put too much stone in or not enough concrete or too much sand or not enough sand, the strength of that that foundation will be compromised. Yeah. 
So when you mix both the Jew and the Gentile, that's when you have this place, Mm -hmm. this dwelling place. That's the pattern that God has given us in Ephesians. Yeah, we're all one in in Christ Jesus. Yes. So why did we, we come? If anything at all, we're part of that ingredient that's going to be put into this mixer. Yes. <laughs> that's going to create a yes. dwelling place for him right here on earth. It's just obey God. Yes. That's Hallelujah. right. Just Amen. obey God. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Yes. We are really looking forward to hearing the reports of what God is going to do in the days to come. In the meantime, would you just, would you pray over the people that are listening to this and and just let the Holy Spirit pray through you? All right. Father, where else can we go? Lord, if we search the heavens, you're there. If we go to the depths, you're there. And Lord, just as the apostles once said, where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Mm-hmm. Father, I just pray for each and every one that's listening right now. Lord, some that are maybe struggling with whatever their issues are, whether they're physical, emotional, whether there's an illness, if it's financial. Father, I just pray because where you are, there's a lack of nothing. And Lord, I just invite you to come and be exactly where each one of your children that are listening right now, Lord, that you would come and and just take up space with them there, give them that assurance no matter what they're facing, Lord, you're the answer. Yes, your Father. It's not that you have an answer, you are the answer. That's right. Yes. So Lord, we we give you praise. And Father, I just speak a word of encouragement to each and every one saying that greater and brighter and more beautiful days lie ahead. Yes. So, Lord, I just pray that you would come and fill your people. Your word says that we are to be filled and continuously filled with your Holy Spirit. Mm, Yes. Lord, make us vessels that are overflowing with who you are. And, Lord, let that overflow just go into the streets and touch those who are without hope and trapped in sin in in this world. God, you're not finished. You're not finished in America, and you're not finished with each one of your children. And we just declare that today in the name of your Son, Yeshua. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence. Mm